Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Riffey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday edition of the Rebel Report to end the week. But the weekend, in some ways, has already started. Ole Miss played a baseball game last night against Tennessee. Did they? Sort of. Yeah, kind of. Um, softball is hosting a regional this weekend. Uh, we had the NBA draft lottery happened since the last time yeah. we... We did a podcast, so a lot to get to today, a lot of different type of stuff to get to. The PGA Championship is going on, although no one would know about it because the most boring guy in the world is in the lead in Brooks Kepka. <laughs> Um But a lot going on in the sports world, a lot going on around Ole Miss. Colin, what's up? Not much. Didn't Kepka shoot out of his mind yesterday? He did. After going on Barstool's number one podcast, part of my take, and basically saying he doesn't give a damn about golf and it bores him. <laughs> And he plays well and plays fast so he can get the hell out of there is basically what happened. I kind of like that because it, it, it kind of annoys your opponents that you don't care, but also you're kicking their tail. He's just trolling everybody. I don't necessarily hate it either. I kind of liked him more after listening to that podcast because like when you figure out guys have like a sense of humor and stuff, like they become more relatable. And like I thought he was a wet blanket because he doesn't show <laughs> any personality. He acts like he doesn't care. But like. In that interview, you could tell he thinks it's hilarious that people get mad they don't care. So I actually kind of respect that a lot more. Um, yeah, I do too. So, I don't know. He's a hell of a player. Malloy knows him well. Um, obviously, coached That's right. him when he was assistant was at Florida State. For him. Yeah, he's coached some pretty good players. They uh, Brooks Kepka, Jonas Blix is another guy that's won on the PGA Tour a couple times. He's had some good players come through. Um, so he knows him pretty well. Um, we might need. I might get him on. What I was thinking was actually getting Malloy on on Monday if I text him just to talk about the season. That's another thing we got to get to. That golf did not advance in one of the more bizarre fashions I have. Hit a bird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's tough. We'll get to that in a second. It's uh, well, that's the second part of it. The first part is almost as wild as the second part, considering the stage and the stakes. But I guess lost we'll the start, ball on the fairway. It's not great. Yeah, which I don't understand how. I, I don't know. I have some thoughts, but. I guess we'll start with baseball. Sure. Um, this feels like it's a horse that's being just beaten with a leather belt that's already deceased. A week ago, this team was 15-9, and nine, and we were talking about what they had to do to get a national seed, and now the season is practically over. I mean, it, isn't that just wild? Well, I yeah, mean, and like in, in from a hosting sense, it's really been over since last weekend. Like they had a chance, I, I'll give them that. Like beating, but with the way in, as inconsistent as this team is, like yeah, it's not. Nice. Yeah, well, like on the surface, it wasn't unheard of to say, okay, beat Arkansas State, go take at least two, maybe three at Tennessee, and you're fine. Like that doesn't sound like an unheard of ask, but given the way this team has played consistently throughout the year, it kind of was. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Hosting is over. The only thing that I think can save this team, look, they got beat seven to nothing last night. If you want us to break down the game, we will. Um, I don't really think that's worthy of discussion right now. They can't hit right now. The kid from Tennessee was good. That pretty much sums it up. Will Etheridge had a bad night. Anyways, I think the only thing that can save this team right now is they go get beat on Tuesday or Wednesday in Hoover and just come home and chill out for 10 days or five days, whatever it is, and then go play in a regional. I think they need to get away from baseball for a while. 
I mean, maybe so, but like, yeah, I mean, I guess they can't really hurt their positioning much more. Yeah, I mean, if if they're if they win a game this weekend, they're one hundred percent in. I, I, the more I said on Tuesday or Wednesday show, I thought if they lost out, they would make it. I no longer. They're think probably that. in regardless. The field's yeah, they, too weak, right? And they have sixteen top fifty wins, which is absurd. Um, they're in. So I think this team probably just needs to get away from baseball, get away from each other, and, and regroup in, in a week and a half and go to. North Carolina and try to win a regional up there um, because man last night was just kind of it just looked it we'll looked get like, into it a little bit I yeah. mean for those of you that don't know don't watch didn't watch they lost to a kid who's I would say he's I mean he's been he had been bad in his last three starts but overall he's a pretty good SEC pitcher he doesn't generate a lot of swings and misses he doesn't overwhelm no. you with velocity or stuff but he knows how to pitch and he's a good pitcher but he's not good enough to do that. throw a 103-pitch complete game against that offense where he was at, like, 84 pitches through, like, seven and, a, seven and two-thirds. I mean, it was something – like he. I, I remember looking at his pitch count at, with, like, two outs in the seventh and being like, oh, this guy's barely cracked 80. He's Like, there's no way they're <laughs> getting him out. He's finishing this. The I mean, Cole Zabowski was the only Ole Miss guy with a hit through seven innings. He had two – I mean, he threw a complete game four-hitter. It was – I mean, it was. I mean, I'll call it. It was, it was atrocious. Like it was like, yeah. oh wow, it was lifeless. It, was that the most lifeless performance they've had this year, where they just didn't show up at all? Like, there's been games they've lost where they fought. Um, there's also been games they lost where they hadn't shown up. Yeah, poor State in Jackson. Oh, they didn't show up for that at all. State in yeah. Pearl, whatever. Same yeah, thing. State, yes, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, don't piss the people off in Pearl. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of the more lifeless performances that I have ever seen. Um, they better be glad that Doug DeCasey doesn't care about all that, and he'll pitch his tail off tonight, and maybe they can score him a run or two. But man, it's it's as bad as I've seen it in a while right now. Yeah, Will Etheridge had one hell of a line. If you ever look at it, yeah, he almost threw a that is game. one of the strangest baseball lines I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so. Get ready for this one. He threw seven and two-thirds innings, so you're sitting there like if Wait, you just got told. Yeah. I thought he only threw seven. I thought he gave up a homer to begin the seventh and they put Broadway in. Let me double-check that. The stat broadcast. I was I watching think, the game, too. I think I think they got that one wrong, stat broadcast. Anyways, regardless, Taylor Broadway. If they did, it's it. wrong in my story, and if you read that, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I was watching the game though. Like I, I didn't I mean, think it's, it's not a massive deal. No, but it's I, gonna bug me. <laughs> you gotta make. No, nope, they to switched. It's seven innings. Uh, yeah. But point being, he throws seven innings. He gave up six. There's six earned runs. Six earned runs on ten hits. Ugh. Bad night. Real. Bad that's night. uh. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, but they scored zero runs for him for the second week in a row. They scored a whole zero. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, you know, I can think of losses just off the top of my head in SEC play for Will where they've scored zero, zero, one, three. Uh, I mean, it's just, the kid's getting no run support. And when you have to think, when you think you have to be perfect, I mean, it's not going to work out. Yeah, and he didn't pitch terribly, but the fifth no. inning. Kind of got it. He made an impressively awful pitch on that double. 
Uh, yeah. It was one, two, and he hung a breaking ball. That was not a less than no. ideal, you could say. That was a very bad pitch. That made it three to nothing. And really, if you're talking about the way the, the, the Stallings kid was rolling through the game at that point, when he hits the double, you're like, okay, that's probably it. Like they could score three runs, but I've seen how this movie ends. They're not going to score three runs. Yeah. Um, See, I mean, I mean, there's no sense in breaking all of that down. I mean, it was just, it was a dud. And this team has thrown a lot of duds, but that was one of the duddiest. I don't even know if that's a word. I don't really care. <laughs> just but invented like, it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's this. if this team can invent ways to lose, I can invent words. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, just, it's. You got to be happy that Austin Miller didn't throw last night down seven to nothing, though. Uh, if you're an Ole yeah. Miss fan. I guess, but like now, now it's a weird dynamic because well, one of the things I brought up last night was like it's so bizarre that they win that crazy Sunday game in Baton Rouge, and you're sitting there thinking. And I remember being in there and being like, when they when it went to the dugout at fifteen all after they gave up the ninth inning or whatever, I was like, man, if this team loses this game, it's going to break their season. If they come back to win, this is the type of win that can kind of like get you really sparked and really going. And it turns out that game really, like, I mean, it's like, quote, unquote, mattered, but it didn't matter. It was, like, rendered moot. They haven't won a game since. It broke them anyway. And I don't know would, if that broke them, but, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's a combination of factors, too. I mean, Parker Crazy can't get anybody out right now. Austin Miller has been running the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, when the offense can fails like it has over the past week and a half, I mean, it's just – it's hard to watch because this is an offense that look you it, it lost two of its best hitters last year but it, in in no world should it be this bad it, it it should not go through stretches that it's going through right now and it's it's picked one heck of a time to to perform like it is yeah and it's i don't know offense has been sort of smoking mirrors all year though yeah I mean, like, there's been times where you're like, okay, there's shown flash of it, but they've never shown any really consistent run outside of maybe a weekend or two where it's like, okay, this, like, like this is kind of it. This is here to stay. This is going to be a dangerous offense for the entirety. Yeah. They haven't the, shown that. The Arkansas and Florida weekend made you think they could hit, and then you figure out Florida can't pitch. So, but other than that, it's it's been pretty much what it is throughout the season. Yes, I don't even really necessarily know what like more to say on it. Like it, it's weird. It's weird sitting the fifteen and nine. If you told me, hey, the last two games of this team's regular season aren't going to be ma- aren't going to matter at all, I'm sitting there like at the time well, I'm looking at the West. I'm looking at national seeds. I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, well, no, nah, well, I don't I'd, believe that. But well, they really I really don't. I'd have thought. Well, I mean, I'd have thought if you told me that, I'm like, oh, well, they have a host spot locked up. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, technically they do matter. Like. They could still host if they win two games, but they're not. They're, they're not going to win two games. And they're not going to go win two in Hoover. They um, need to try Matt, to win a game first. Yeah, that would help. That was mission thought, number one. I thought that's why I thought Arkansas State was important. You just go win a game, and they couldn't even do that. Yeah, um, if I'm on in, I'm drawing up a whiteboard plan. Like if I'm walking in the locker room today, it's going to be win, win a game. A game. <laughs> oh God! But, but somehow. Yeah, they don't I mean, matter, do they? I mean, they kind of do, but not really. Yeah, they matter. If you win two games against the number 10 RPI and you go to Hoover and win two or three games, you're going to host. Um, but they're not. <laughs> you're mean, talk- like, okay, they're- so, so you're talking – now you're talking about – I guess you could frame it this way. You lost five in a row. They're going to have to rectify that by winning five in a row. Correct. 
if it's they essentially win the next what five, it is. They win the next five games. They will play baseball in Oxford in June. They're not going to. Uh, yeah, my boy. Like, let's, let's try one. It's like yeah. that scene in Major League where he's like, yesterday we won a game. <laughs> today is a winning Today, streak. that's two. You win tomorrow. That is called a winning streak. And then he looks around, he's like, and it has happened before. So, but that oh, is kind of where they're at. It's like, you just need to get right by winning a game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. This team hasn't won and they haven't won since they left Baton Rouge. <laughs> And that's going on two weeks now. So, Well, go ahead and call me a prophet. I know how tonight's going to go. Because he's going to shove. And he's going to give them a chance. It's going to be a one-run, two-run game or something like that in the seventh. And you're just kind of opening Pandora's box at the bullpen. I don't know what happens after that. When Nikhazy leaves the game, they're probably going to have lead. What happens after that? Well, like Brian, they have to never score to have a lead. Oh, I think – but but see, I, I against Tennessee, Tennessee's got a good – Second guy, but I think they'll score one or two. He's They're not going to get shut. I, I think I, I bet it. I, I bet it's four to two when he when the game when the Casey leaves. Four four runs versus a lefty. I, I'll go three to one. Okay, and he's a lefty from Mississippi. I just you know maybe he makes it personal because Ole Miss didn't recruit him. Lefty that throws ninety three and Ole Miss didn't recruit him. I think they're going to score. Okay, fair enough. And then it's going to get to the bullpen and. Couldn't God tell you knows. what happens after that. Well, you bring it if if you're up three to one in the six, you bring in Roth, right? I know you want to start him tomorrow, but you kind of got to win a baseball game. Well, that's what I said last night on radio. Richard was like, "So, uh, if you have a lead late in the game, do you like do you do you bring in like he basically was like, do you bring in Caracy or not?" And I was like, "Look, no, no." I said, "Look," and it, it it was rendered moot because it was seven to nothing, and they brought in Broadway. But I was like, "Look, if it's a closed game and they have the lead, you bring in Houston Roth and you pretend everyone else has lost their limbs and are physically <laughs> unable to pitch. You are riding and dying with him. It's it's a Houston. No one Roth else can and, get anybody out. Well, I, again, I'll contend that Austin Miller is fine. Um, okay, that's yet, fine. But yeah, otherwise nobody can get a soul out right now. I guess Tyler Myers has been okay, but other than that, I mean, that's it. <laughs> you got three guys that have kind of been okay, and Houston Ross has been good. But other than that, who do you trust at this point to get an out? Well, that's the big thing with all of this. For people, as much as people make is like the the offense, the managerial decisions, all of that, and people upset. The bullpen and the pitching staff really, as a whole, has really failed this team. Sure, like, very, very much so. Like you. Losing all three rotation guys, the rotation wasn't that good last year. That's still kind of a tall ask. Doing it without Greer Holston and Jordan Fowler, like that kind of stuff matters, in my opinion. Because if you have a Greer, like people often overlook that, but if you have what you thought Greer Holston and Jordan Fowler were going to be, Nikhazy's out of the bullpen. You can use Hoagland maybe a little bit differently. Maybe Phillips isn't as bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have more options in the pen, at least. Right. It goes beyond them just not performing it into what it forces you to do. You're you, like part of the reason your bullpen is not good right now is because there's only three guys you can trust. And one of the reasons that is because Doug Nikhazy is your Saturday starter. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think who else it's directly affected. Um, nah, that's probably about it. I mean, I, I mean, the overuse and I'm not blaming Mike per se of overusing Parker and, and Miller because you had to win baseball games, but that's what's kind of, wrecked them here at the end is those guys have just been running into the ground and, and now 
They're so it's a combination at, of that and, Cho, and guys like Chofi being bad and yep. Roth having up and down to start the year is that you had to overuse those guys and now like now it's catching up to you. Yeah, I mean that's that's you knew that wasn't play. sustainable though. We were saying that at the end of March and April, it's like yeah, it's working and this team is kind of winning games. I remember that after the Florida series, but that's really it wasn't really sustainable. Yeah, I mean you you. It, it's kind of late in the year to be forming bullpen rolls for people, and Ole Miss is kind of at the point where they have to try to do that. Uh, I don't know. I think it's over. Uh, I mean, this team's going to go, what are they, 15 and 13? They're going to go 16 and 14, lose. You know, I think they go one and two in Hoover and probably one and two in a regional. Um, I think that's I think that's the end, goal, end game for this team. Yeah, I hope it's Atlanta or somewhere close. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Where would be cool? You could go to Stanford. Stanford seems fun. Are they really going to send me out there to cover this? Fair enough. Fair enough. Although there is a bit of, they they might without getting fully into it. There's a bit of like, like formality is not the word. Like, like, Mm. like this is this could potentially be more than just a season ending if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Like, there's a sense of finality to this if they if that happens. So it's certainly possible. I wouldn't be hesitant to use the word formality at this point either. Um, I'm not ready to go that far quite yet because there's a lot of things kind of in mo- like that still have to happen. But I'm not gonna deny- I'm not gonna sit here and say it's not likely. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, I think I think what it's done is it's removed it's removed the middle ground. This this past week and a half has removed any middle ground for that decision. Yeah, but at the same time, like we talked about the other day, like, yeah, now their their hosting chances are gone, sure. But, like, now they're two or three seed, does any, like, the next week and a half doesn't really matter because all the, like, this season was framed around what are you going to do in the postseason now that you right. know you're not hosting. I mean, I guess it matters where you go, but does well, it really? Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. If, if Ole Miss, let's just pretend that, look, if they win two games, they're still in the hosting conversation. If they win a game, they're 100% in the tournament. If you win one game and you're you're rendered your hosting chances are rendered done, why not go to Hoover and just try to find guys that can get out? You know, like just go over there against Alabama and I don't know, start Caleb Hill, start Jesus, I don't know, but start somebody besides Etheridge to find somebody that can get an out. I feel I like was on just, this the other day. It may have been this podcast or radio. I 100% agree with that. I actually even said it a little bit. This weekend, like now that you lost to Arkansas State, yeah, I, I get it. You can't necessarily do it, I guess, this weekend because two wins and you probably are a little bit in the hosting conversation. But no, I agree. If you find yourself in a game, like if they lose today, yeah, and like for the Saturday game, like why not? And you could do it in Hoover too. It's, it's, it's kind of two versions of the same thing. Well, yeah, why not just find dudes that can get out? Like, what does it hurt throwing Caleb Hill and Max Trophy and just like if they're good? Okay, now you kind of have some bullpen depth. If they're not, okay, you rest. I mean, it does. The games don't really yeah. matter, and you you rested Etheridge, and you at least tried. Did did you do you really need Will Etheridge to go win a Tuesday game? Like, what what are you playing for at that point? It's um, the closest thing to a like like a a, a a testing laboratory where the results don't harm you. It's like, yeah. that's the closest thing you're going to find at this juncture in the season. It can honestly end up being a blessing is where you're playing two games in late May, which normally those games matter more. But like in this case, for this team, they're not. So why not use that as basically a time to experiment? Yeah, that's that's kind of my point. Why not go see if, if 
Greer Holston can get you an out at this point. Like I, I don't know. Um, don't quit on yeah. my man Ray Falk either. I want to see what uh, see what his third appearance is. <laughs> Poor Ray. Uh, He's built off the other two. He got an out the second time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the first time he couldn't get an out. Second time he did get an out. He did. I think uh, he got a couple. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that's kind of the approach that you go over there to Hoover. Look, if you if you wind up winning some games there on Saturday, that's good. I guess it doesn't matter. Um, you know, so I, that's what I do. If, if this team fails to win two games and I know that I'm not playing postseason ball in Oxford, I don't go over there and throw Will Etheridge. One, I keep him on the same rest. Two, I got to find somebody else to get me some outs because I can't go to Raleigh or Chapel Hill or Atlanta and with two guys and Will Etheridge and, and Doug Nikhazy and that and, and Houston Roth that I trust to get out. That is not a recipe for success. I mean, you can. You just hang a white flag in the dugout. Yeah. Well, well, fair enough. I mean, you you can do a lot of things. You can back yeah. Kozlowski sixth. Um, you can do lots of things in in this world. But you know, I probably wouldn't advise that. Yeah. No. I mean, I agree. But we'll see kind of what happens. And maybe that's one of the like if you're if you're an old Miss person and you're not like haven't jumped off the bridge yet. Like that's at least something you can look at in Hoover. It's like yeah, these games don't matter. But if you're still holding out hope, you better find a couple dudes that can you know retire hitters because. <laughs> That's a hey, singular hitter. With. Yeah, you can start with one. <laughs> so that's about all I've got on baseball right now. Um, I believe first pitch tonight is five thirty. I think it's sure. five thirty. I think yeah. it's early. Um, six thirty Knoxville time. <laughs> if, if you're an Ole Miss fan, just watch softball. It'll 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 lower the blood pressure. Oh, that's yeah. So softball begins regional play tonight. Um, they had a media op early in the week. It's interesting that like, like it feels different this time around. Cause last time they were kind of like the Cinderella story that yeah. everyone was like kind of captivated by when they went out to UCLA for a super. But now it's kind of like, it's different. Obviously the second time around, they ex- kind of expect to be here though. I think they were probably a little surprised that they got the 11 national seed. Um, yeah, they were, but I mean, they're. I mean, it's it's interesting to see how this has been built in just five years. Mike Smith's done a great job. We kind of talked about that earlier, earlier in the week. But they play Chattanooga, Chattanooga. tonight, I believe, at six. Did he announced the, uh, the starter between Jacobson uh, and Finney. No, and he did not. He did not know on Wednesday. I he's. I'm sure. I'm, I'll look it up in a second. I'm sure he's announced one by now. He did not know on Wednesday. Um. So, yeah, uh, Chattanooga. They're the mocks. And uh, <laughs> that's about all you got. Smith said they play a lot of small ball. Um, he said for problem? whatever reason, when they got back from AM, he watched tape on them. I don't know if he was like tipped off. I, I like know. that. I don't know. Uh, well, how, how would he know that? I mean, man, maybe he just watches some softball tape. I guess. I, I don't know. That's a, well, that's I mean, a hell okay. of a guess. Think about it like this, though. The NCAA is, is not going to send people on planes if they don't have to. So he probably just started watching people that could drive to, to Oxford. Yeah, that's fair because the ULL coach actually had a quote earlier this week saying that the that he thought they deserved to host and that putting ULL as a two seed is not fair to whatever to team this. has to host that regional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and not like fair. that's kind of like a backhanded, cocky type comment, which I kind of respect. But he's probably as little as I know about softball, he's probably kind of right. No, he is. He's one hundred percent right. I mean, and they're, if I'm like, they're fifty and four with a top twenty <laughs> RPI. Like that's that's a hell of a two seed. 
I feel like if I'm Mike Smith, I'm just like, hey, guys, what's up? Like, what? <laughs> you know, I appreciate the host, but y'all sending me them? Oh. Well, Mike got asked about that on Wednesday is why I kind of brought it up. That's kind of how I heard of the quote. And, like, he kind of backed off it a little bit. Like, he kind of was like, yeah, I mean, 50-win team, like, that's a lot of wins for a two-seed or whatever. But he was just kind of like, whatever, we'll deal with it. They're a good team. But I think he probably in the back of his mind agreed, too. It's like, y'all are sending me this? Yeah, well, in fairness, though, ULL does have to win a softball game before they, you know, get to the winner's bracket. I mean, you don't – they don't – Southeast Missouri State is going to show up and play softball, I presume. That is true, but I'm going to bet on the team that's won 50 of the 54 <laughs> games they've played this year. I'm probably going to ride with them. Fair enough. Goodness, 50-4. and four. I've never heard of such a record that's a, that absurd. I mean, their baseball team a few years ago had an absurd record, but it wasn't that. They were like – 48 and 12? 50, no? Something? It was something, yeah, something like, like that. that. I mean, because they played 56, they played the conference tournament. That would have probably been about right. Yeah. Something, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. But so you got that going on this weekend. I think they'll have pretty good crowds. Um, yeah. They're adding in extra seating and stuff around there. The place looks pretty cool. I don't know. I liked it. I, when I covered it two years ago, I enjoyed it. It's a lot faster pace. Like, honestly, there's a lot in softball that baseball needs more of. <laughs> a lot more motion, a lot like quicker pace that keeps your attention. It's not as slow. Like there's a lot more energy infused into the game. Yeah. And like I know there are two different sports, and I'm not about to try to like compare the two. But there are some stuff like the like not necessarily small ball, but like hitting and running and base stealing and stuff like that that probably baseball needs a lot more of. There's like you read about baseball now at like major league baseball and levels like that, and like it's 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 station to station baseball and it doesn't keep people's attention on television because there's not enough movement and action and softball has that in abundance. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as, as a person that's, you know, not to delve too far in this, but as a person that's big on analytics, um, you know, baseball's played, you know, the way the numbers say it should be, but the numbers, the way the numbers say it should be, uh, it's frankly, it's, it's boring if you're not a big baseball person. So you're right. Softball has a lot of movement, has a lot of action that, uh, would really help the game from a viewership standpoint in baseball. Yeah, which is interesting because there's there's actually been history of where analytics have kind of hurt. Like there's been some of it in the NBA and a little bit of it in football where like advanced metrics like have shifted teams to different strategies that kind of feel like hurt the game and the leagues have made rules against it. So like yeah. to a certain degree, I don't think you need to completely outlaw, like completely go anti-analytics and shift your rules toward that if you're baseball, but you got to find some balance. Sure. But I don't really know, you know, like the, the NBA, there's rules you can make to, to kind of, you know, supplement it. Baseball. I don't know how you tell guys, Hey, uh, don't quit striking out and only trying to hit homers. Like, I don't know what the, uh, the strategy is for that. Yeah. I guess that's more geared towards, I guess what I was kind of thinking of is geared more towards the anti-tanking. Okay. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. No, I mean that you're right though. The end game stuff is it, that's going to be hard to do. It's like, Hey, don't, don't strike out. Uh, yeah, 200 times they hit 206 <laughs> with 35 home runs or whatever. Joey Gallo, my hero. Yeah, so, like, there, there really is a hard, like, there's probably not much you can do about that, but I don't know. It, it's, it, baseball's in, facing an interesting kind of crossroads. Yeah, it is. It is. Because um, it's losing younger and younger viewers, which is not a recipe for success. No, but like the 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 local followings, and if you follow a team, and if you have a team in your city, they're doing fine there. I mean, they right. outrate the NBA in like seventeen of the nineteen markets they share locally, but obviously, like nationally, like particularly in the playoffs, 
you're sit down and watch an NBA game or whatever. You're never going to do that with like Sunday night baseball. I mean, I do because I would like really enjoy baseball, but like I'm a very, 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 very small minority on that. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what baseball's facing, along with not being able to market Mike Trout, which that hurts too. Yeah, but he's. <sighs> Yeah, that's all to me a whole nother issue because, like, you can't fault the guy for being a quieter personality and, like, him being in L.A.'s B-market team, that doesn't help. No, it doesn't. And it's why it's such a tough – it's a conundrum for, like, actual baseball fans because you look at Bryce Harper and you're like, God, I hate this guy. But also, baseball needs Bryce Harper to do well. Like, baseball can't have Bryce Harper continue what he's doing right now. Uh, it's not good for the game. So, you know, on one hand, you can dislike him all you want, but you also need that guy to have OPS over one. Yeah, and you'd recognize Bryce Harper walking down the street because the hair and the flair. If we dropped Mike stuff, Trout not... in, in on the square right now, what percentage of people know it? I would say less than 50. I think I agree. I think I agree. I would have said right at 50, but, yeah, I think that's certainly fair, which is insane. Yeah, and like he it, honestly, I watch a ton of baseball, but it might take me a second, particularly if he's wearing like a hat or something. <laughs> it really would. It, I might have to double take. Uh, whereas, what if we dropped Russell Westbrook on the square? What percentage of people know him? One hundred percent within two seconds. You think one hundred percent? Oh, I don't know about a hundred. There'll be people <laughs> that don't know, but like yeah, it's, it's pretty much everybody. Yeah, eighty-five to ninety. Like. Mike Trout could go sit through for a beer at the round table and it would take like a beer or two for somebody to be like, Oh, well, you're Mike Trout. Like, <laughs> I have a picture. Like Russell Westbrook steps foot like in Lafayette County and like can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And then that's what that's the issue baseball's facing right now. So elsewhere towards basketball, the NBA draft lottery happened Wednesday night. <laughs> I admittedly, I love, I've like become infatuated with the NBA in the last couple of years. I know I've like talked about that before, but like it's become super interesting to me because it's like a soap opera more than anything. Like if you view it like you would view wrestling, like where the <laughs> outcome's predetermined, but like the 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 plot is interesting. So the draft lottery happened. And they changed up the draft lottery this year to where, like, to de-incentivize tanking, and boy, did it work. So what because did they do? Of, to so basically, it? the gist of it is like you, like the top, the bottom two teams, I believe, each have a fourteen percent instead of the worst team in the league having a twenty-five percent chance to win it, which like pretty much not one hundred percent guarantees no. it, but like you're probably going to get it. So of course, the year the Knicks are the worst team in the <laughs> NBA, it changes to a fourteen percent chance, and so. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans got the top two picks with the New Orleans Pelicans winning the lottery. David Griffin, I believe, the, G, the he, he's the GM. He built up the Cavs and won the title with the Cavs. I believe that was his fourth lottery to win, and he's been in five. Maybe it's his <laughs> third, and he's been in four. I have no idea how that happens. We need to go to Vegas with him. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> but that was fascinating stuff because, like, Nick fan, like it was like the, it was like everyone was like wanting the stars to align and Nick's get the number one overall pick and get Zion and everything aligned and then it got down to the final four cards where it's these two huge dysfunctional markets in L.A. and New York and then you have the two smallest in Memphis and New Orleans and from that perspective it could not have turned out worse because the Lakers the card flips over they're fourth the Knicks are third. Memphis is number two, and the New Orleans Pelicans landed themselves Zion Williamson. So did it go? I didn't watch. Did it go descending order like eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one? No. So I don't have it in front of me, but like the 
I'm pretty sure the Pelicans and the Grizzlies were like seventh and eighth in terms of record and got the top two picks. No, 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 no. I mean, did they announce it? Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh, they announced it all the way down, like for fourteen or whatever it is. Okay, yeah. fourteen on down. Um, <laughs> but they had a commercial break before the last five, <laughs> which that's perfect. Um, it's it. That's just great. Are you are you a proponent of the lottery? Or would you rather them do it like the NFL? I thought that was awesome. I thought that was incredible drama. I thought it de-incentivized tanking because, like, yeah, if you're bad, like, you're going to get a high draft pick. But, like, actively tanking to be the worst team, like, I think that's going to help that. Sure. And and I don't disagree. I do wonder. I don't think you can enact that in football, though, because, um, frankly, the Arizona Cardinals needed the number one pick uh, last year. And, and, that well, and it's hard thing. to tank in football in a sure, sport that's that violent. Hurt. Yeah. yeah, like you can't. If you half-ass it in football, you you're gonna injure yourself. Yeah, it'll kill you out there. So, but yeah, I thought it was it was interesting. Zion, look, I mean, I don't mean to piss off any New Orleans fans, but I bet Zion didn't have uh, expectations of going to New Orleans with the with him being the number one pick. So I have a theory, though. I think that I think that the best option here is for now. New Orleans to trade Anthony Davis for a couple players in the number three pick to New York, and then they get Zion and R.J. Barrett together. And New Orleans a complete, Yeah, that would be a complete fresh restart. That's two college teammates. They would embrace the hell out of the city. They're friends. Because, yeah, like there's part of me that would want to try Anthony Davis because they don't have to trade Anthony Davis till the end of next season. Right. They're probably going to do it by next February's trade deadline. There's a part of me that would want to see them two together, and maybe it convinces AD to stay. But, like, there's so much damage already done with that whole relationship. I would just want a fresh restart, and that's a hell of a restart. You get two see, of the top three players in the draft. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. And since I think I, the more and more I think about it, I think that's going to happen. I think that's think their best option. Is, is sending AD for the first pick? Or for the th- sending AD and getting the third pick back? Plus, they're going to get a couple good players in it as well. So you get the that. Have good players. I mean, yeah, they got a couple because they got a couple in that uh, in the Kristaps Porzingis ah, right. trade. Yeah, that's like they right. have some. Like Kevin Knox is not bad. No, he's and fine. like they have a couple. Like they have, they're not completely devoid of assets. And is, so, like as is much Moody as I, any good, he's fine. Like that. I mean, that's something. I mean, he he'd be on your roster for half a decade. So, yeah. like, I think that's their best option. I, I could yeah. be wrong. They might try something else. I don't know. I think that's the best option for them because if you put RJ and Zion in the same city, they're going to sell the hell out of tickets. Like, they like each other. I think that would be a clean start, and that's a hell of a jump start to a rebuild. Because they, be, they would be competitive immediately. They wouldn't be, like, contenders in the West, but they would be competitive. Yeah, and you have those guys locked up for, what, five or six years? Uh, yes, on very little money. So you could yep. build a contender around those two guys pretty quickly. On the flip side, next year, Drew Holiday, Zion, and Anthony Davis is probably already a contender. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a playoff team. So, like, yeah. it's a tough balance. It'll be interesting to see what happens. The Grizzlies landed themselves John Morant, so congrats to them. Yeah, they. Uh, I live with Grizzlies fans. They were wanting uh, to not get picked in the top eight, so that – or. I can't remember exactly. They wanted to convey the pick to Boston until they got the number two pick, and they were happy about it. Because if it was inside top five, it rolled over again. Okay, that's what it was. So they didn't want to be top five. No, no, I think they, they were, did. Like, they didn't want to be between six and eight or whatever, which is what I thought they were going to be. 
Like, so what would have happened if they were outside six, seven, the top eight. eight or inside the top five? I, I, I don't. I, I believe they would not get whatever that pick is. It would not have gone in their favor. Okay. Okay. So they probably keep it at that point because um, you don't want the six, seven, or eight pick. If, no. If so they're going to get John Morant though, right? And that's going to be interesting because along he, with go you could play him and Conley together for a while. Right. And you could probably play Mike Conley like off the ball and play him as a two, and then eventually you kind of have your Conley successor. But Morant's a good player. I don't think that's a bad deal for Memphis. No, and it's not. And, and JJJ was good for them this year, so they they've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and then the Knicks are probably going to get RJ Barrett at number three. I could see the, I could actually see the Grizzlies like kind of like talking themselves into taking RJ Barrett at number oh, two, God. but. I, he's the most fascinating player in this whole thing to me because if you actually look at his first couple games at Duke where he dropped like 25 and 22, and you're like – because remember, he was projected as the number one pick in right. the early part of the year ahead of Zion. And then Coach K gets a pass on everything, and we've talked about this before, but that team regressed and became completely Zion dependent. And like Barrett was a good player, but like it just became so Zion reliant that he just – his game suffered because of it. I think he's a good NBA player. He's like a really good slash and kick dude, but the problem was at Duke, they don't have any shooters that he could kick to. Right, yeah, Ty Jones couldn't shoot. Uh, Jack White didn't hit a three all year. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. They didn't have guys that could spot up and knock down threes, and that was eventually their detriment uh, against Michigan State. Yeah, and what's interesting to me, I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast a while back, and I thought, like, I, this was fascinating to me because he was like, forget the basketball stuff. Think about being 19 years old. You're one of the top players in the country. You were projected to be the number one pick early on ahead of Zion, and then you get on this team, and it's so, like, like we want more Zion, we want more Zion. Like, why is this guy shooting? Like, let Zion do it. Like, doesn't that have to wear on you as a 19-year-old kid? Oh, I'm sure it does. Where you're like reading and listening to all that, and like you're sure like you're the se- you're now the secondary piece. Like, yeah, you he don't was even the number exist. one player in the class. <laughs> you're right. Um, so I, I think it absolutely probably wears on you, and and at some point you're probably just ready to move on. I wonder if he would even want to play with Zion in New Orleans because yeah, I mean, I'm I sure they're be, friends. I think it'd be a little different in the NBA, but to your point, what like I'd almost rather see what he kind of looks like in an organization that like kind of wants him there, and he's the guy because he's kind of a fascinating piece. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, the 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 Golden State series is over, so that's fun. Um, yes, it is. That kind of sucks because the 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 Blazers could have easily won that game. Yeah. I mean, they were up 17 at one point. They were up like seven or eight with like three minutes left. That was a tough way to go out, but I don't know. I just want to see Kevin Durant go to New York because the the Warriors are way more fun to watch with this current Without him. They are much more fun. They are incredibly more fun to watch, and I'm not even sure how much – I mean, it sounds insane because Durant's probably the best player on earth right now, but like they're not that much worse without him. They're not worse, honestly. No, they're not. Because uh, Draymond can do a lot of good things, and yeah, I mean they they're a fun team to watch without him because it's it's just a bunch of dudes that they drafted, uh, which is always a good story. I mean, you know, give those guys credit. Everybody gets on them about getting Durant. They drafted Green, Thompson, and Curry, and have developed them into probably the best team in the NBA right now. Yeah, they're the greatest shooting backcourt ever. And watching teams trying to like zero in on Clay and Steph, and like try to corral that on the perimeter is just it's it's. <laughs> 
it's depressing in some ways because there's just no way to do it. And like they're like when Durant, if Durant leaves and goes to New York, the Warriors are probably still the favorite in the West. Yeah, which is insane. It'll be five out of six titles this year, and I guess four out of five this year, and five out of six next year. Yeah, I mean they're probably a Draymond Green technical away from going for a five peat this year. Jesus. Yeah, they are. <laughs> just crazy. But. So elsewhere, that was kind of all I had on the NBA. I think that Milwaukee-Toronto series is going to go like six or seven games. That two, game yeah. one was really close. Um, game two is tonight. That'll be kind of interesting. Um, I didn't really have any other like hot takes on the lottery. The rest of it just kind of was what it was, in my opinion. Um, Did we have we, – we, we, we forgot to ask for questions, but you said your buddy had one uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we gotta save. I'll save it for next week. We did a bad job on that again. We'll get oh, back man. to regular schedule. <laughs> um, we'll friend. get back and we'll do. We'll do. We'll do it next Wednesday. He just submitted it a week early. Uh, <laughs> so, golf wise, Ole Miss golf lost. Yeah. Missed out on NCAA. Like so, they played in the regional top five advance. They placed sixth by a shot. They placed sixth in part because they had. A, a kid make a nine on a par five. Um, Seems bad. He lost a ball in the middle of the fairway. Okay, explain to a golf ignorant person how that happens. So I actually don't know, um, <laughs> okay. because there's ways like of like when like the topography of different courses. You have like shots that are somewhat blind, some that are uphill, some that are downhill, where you don't actually see the ball down and you see it land. It could have hit like a sprinkler head or something, taking a bad bounce. But my thing is, is like at our high school golf state championship, we had markers and enough people watching to where you don't really lose balls. So I'm wondering how at the NCAA championships or the NCAA regionals, whatever, how how do you lose a ball? I don't understand that. <laughs> so let's just—I don't know the final score. If he he doesn't lose that ball and isn't doesn't have a penalty stroke, does Ole Miss tie LSU? Well, no, you don't have to. Like he doesn't go back. He probably makes par or birdie on that. Because oh, he's in good. the fairway off the tee. Because when you lose a ball, it's a off ball. You have to go back and hit the tee shot hitting three. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's oh. how he made a nine. And then hit the second part of it, we're bearing the hit lead the here. Bird. He hits the provisional or whatever that becomes his tee shot. And then he's hitting four at that point on his second shot. And he hits a bird on his second shot. Kills the bird and the ball goes out of bounds. So it's the same thing again. It's stroke and distance. You're hitting back where you are with the stroke now hitting six. Oh my god! <laughs> so you killed a bird. Um, yeah, which good. Is I'm glad the bird died. Rule in all of golf because if a bird, like if your ball's on the green and it's not moving, and a bird picks up your ball, because this happened at Sawgrass a couple years ago at the Players Championship, and a bird picked up some guy's ball off the green and put it in the water, you can put it back to where it was. But apparently if the bird is in the air, it doesn't count and is essentially like, I guess, part of the golf course and just tough, <laughs> tough luck, essentially, which makes absolutely no sense. Oh, my God. That's the dumbest rule. What was the there are some some as a person that doesn't watch a ton of golf. There are some rules that drive me absolutely insane. What the, was it about the rule book in golf? Not like you could flip through 100 rules and you 60 of them. The punishment wouldn't. Fit the, crime. fit the crime it makes no sense the rules what of golf are, are brutal in 2016 at the i guess it was the u.s open dustin johnson was getting penalized for something that was absolute crap and twitter was blowing up about it as a pga what, championship it was sure. a, it was a bunker that wasn't really a bunker uh so they played a course that 
has like over like like I think they have over fifteen hundred bunkers. It's like so a lot of those courses, particularly in the Midwest, you'll see stuff like that where it's just a bunch of bunkers. And this one wasn't marked, and it really just looked like a dirt patch. And so he grounded his club in it, not knowing it was an actual bunker because it doesn't look like your normal bunker, and got penalized for it. So like rules of golf, if uh, there some of them are just just brutal. Like the I, I don't know, it would take so long to explain, but like and, the, and then. What I think was annoying was they wouldn't announce if it was a penalty or not. So he didn't know his actual score. Right, because they didn't know. They are like, was this bunker marked or not? Like, they had to go, like, look and see if it was marked as a bunker on, like, I guess you asked the superintendent. I don't really know. I don't remember <laughs> how much about it. It was uh, it was bad. So Ole Miss misses it out on a sh- by a yep. shot, partly because of that, because he lost a ball in the fairway on the tee shot, and then um, on his – "Quote unquote," second shot really is fourth after he retees. He hits a bird. Uh, I've never that, heard of that. I've heard of some you, strange things. I've never heard of that. You just quit at that point, right? You just go home. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? Like, do you mount the bird? I don't really know what you do with that. I just the hell with this. I'm going home. Like, I just hit a bird and lost the ball on the fairway. I don't. Well, I don't really, we're talking about on radio, and Richard's like, well, he did go bogey-bogey after that. And I'm like, look, if I made a nine because I lost a ball in the fairway and then I hit a bird, like, you're lucky I don't go, like, 12-12 to finish because, like, my focus and confidence would just be completely shot. Like, I would yes. be completely meltdown. I'm just pissed off at that point. Yeah, I mean, he hits two good shots and makes a nine. Like, that, that it's just, I don't know. The, to, as baffling as the bird is, how a ball gets lost in the middle of the fairway in – a college golf like national championship essentially i know it wasn't the finals how that happens i don't i have no i have no clue that that, that that's beyond me like how yeah. does no one see it how do you have I, I i don't know that's that's insane that's a tough break though they had a good year they played a lot of young kids they were replacing Braden thornberry i thought they played pretty well all things considered they got some young pieces they'll be back next year yeah malloy does a really good job of that program Probably, so, you know, I think I am going to have him on Monday. I don't know if he's going to want to explain the bird thing, but he'd be interesting <laughs> to talk to between Kepka and how that year finished and all that. I think we're going to get him on Monday. Sounds good to me. Um, he's done, you know, we talk about my, uh, Mike Smith. He's done just about as good of a job as, as Smith, hasn't he? Yeah, because that program was really struggling. They're behind in facilities. They still are behind in facilities, although they've made that piece of property out at the university courses. Like, they've done about as much as they can do with it. Um and made it a lot nicer. They're still a little bit behind in facilities, but yeah, he's done a, he's done a masterful job um, with, with that program, having a generational player like Braden Thornberry right. kind of like not fall into your lap. Like I don't want to not give him credit for it, but like that certainly helps. Um, but yeah, no, he's built it and they're a lot more competitive and they're a lot better program uh, because of it, because of what the kind of the misnomer is, is like, yeah, you had Braden Thornberry, but you still got to get four other scores that count. And he elevated like <laughs> some of the guys he, he inherited his game to a level that I don't think they could have got, like they thought they could have gotten it to when he got there. So that's kind of where he deserves the most credit in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that's what, that's a good point about, you know, obviously you get Thornberry, but you've got to have other guys to contribute. Look, I'm not a golf aficionado, but it seems like it that for the, from a program standpoint that, it's not just about one player that they have guys that, that are pretty consistent on, on the regular. Yeah, and that's kind of what he did. I mean, you're talking about like a Noah West and a couple of those other guys early on that, that he really, really helped out and, and, and did. And Ben Walcott was another one, a Nashville kid, good dude, shout out, um, that he 
that he kind of elevated, and that's how the, that's kind of how this this I don't know if you call it a rebuild or whatever you want to call it in golf, but that's how this like rise happened so quickly. So done a good job. I'm gonna see if we can get him on Monday. I think he'd be a good guest, entertaining dude. Yeah, yeah, I really like Chris. Um, that's about all I got for today. Do you have anything else? I, that was nothing else I had had written down that was any somewhat interesting. No, no, that's about it. Baseball plays tonight. You shouldn't watch because softball's on. Um, <laughs> that's, other than that, fair point. I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Keep um, don't watch. So we'll be back at it on Monday. I'm hopefully we're gonna have Chris Malloy on. I'm gonna text him later this afternoon see if he's got any time. We'll definitely try to do it sometime next week. He's a busy guy, but hopefully he'll work in a few minutes off his schedule for us. For Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be back at it on Monday. Thank you for listening. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.